0: Hey everyone, this is Ron here, and I just want to take a quick moment before we get started to thank everybody for checking out our podcast. And we're really excited. Today's episode is actually the first time that we've actually brought on a guest. And as we mentioned in previous podcasts, our whole intention is to actually have a back and forth between two studs with a guest. So we're really excited to bring on Ruben. Um, he's going to be a future guest, I'm sure, no doubt. But uh, I think you'll enjoy this episode. And with that, we'll get started. Enjoy.
1: Everyone and welcome to Between Two Studs. I'm Alex Stud, and I'm Ron Stud, and we are very excited to be joined by one of my childhood friends, but also uh, an excellent chef who's been in the industry for at least a dozen years at this point, Ruben Denaudi.
0: And and I gotta say, before we get Ruben on. My goodness! Um, now it's funny because I'm the older brother. I'm eight years older than you, and I think I remember Reuben as a kid. He was always, you know, very small, and now he's a grown professional chef. And my goodness, just amazing food he cooks! It's been a delight. I used to live uh, very close to a restaurant that he worked at. Going to many of the restaurants that he's worked at in his history, it's it's awesome. And I think one of my very 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 special <laughs> memories was. Um, last year, when he came over and he made dinner for the family, and my goodness, that was just phenomenal and amazing. And I'm just excited to have somebody on. This is our first guest, and you know what? He's he's an awesome guest, so we're really happy to have him. And with that, let's get him on the phone. So come on, Ruben.
2: Wow, that's a uh, that's a lot. <laughs> that is uh, hey. that is that is a lot of praise, and I hope I can uh, kind of live up to that uh, that expectation. That is well, no, man, that is
0: totally have
1: no one else we'd rather have as our first guest. And in fact, let's be honest, Ron. Ruben has uh, and we're going to talk about it later in the episode. Sure. But Ruben has done podcasts. He's done YouTube videos. So in many ways, he's sort of um, helping us fuddle through what we're working on right now. Um, so right. We, we really appreciate Ruben almost. I'd almost give him like producer credits. Uh, of oh, yeah, our own it. podcast
2: <laughs> That's uh I'd say that's,
0: I'd say that's appropriate
1: That's
2: too kind I listened to the last episode guys And I know as a Dolphins fan I probably shouldn't be rooting And I shouldn't, <laughs> not probably I shouldn't be rooting for you guys But there's a picture circling on social media From last year when you guys were in the playoffs And I'm in a Tyrod Taylor jersey And uh, Bill's beanie And if any of my Dolphins compatriots saw that it would be very bad. But the last episode was really well, great and I loved it. And uh, it was very informative.
1: Well, and we appreciate that. You know, as, as we talked about in that episode, Bill's fans, it's contagious. Who doesn't want to drink and drum through tables?
0: It's it's true. And you know what? I think in listening to that episode too, if I've listened to it a few times now. Um, in hindsight, I don't even think it's really about the Buffalo Bills. It's about Buffalo. It's just about general love of fandom. And that's why I think it's a fun episode. So, Thank you very much, Ruben, for the feedback. But with that, but, we're going to get started. Because I was going to
1: say, why don't we get started? And, and Ruben, I know I already introduced you as a childhood friend who's also a chef. But let's let's get to know you a little bit better. But I think the most important thing to do before we do that is why don't we all take a shot of Malort real quick? I mean, this yes. is this is this is a beverage we've talked about on episode one. And it's going to be a continuation theme. This is a Chicago delicacy. Not everyone loves it, but you right. know what?
2: But can we talk about my history with Malort real quick?
1: You know what? Yes. What, you know switch. what? What better cheers, intro? Man. Hey, cheers. And I want to
2: tell you guys cheers. how I came to love Malort. And Alex already knows this story. I was there. Heard so good. So last January, I visited Alex in Chicago. Alex says, Reuben, you have to have Chicago handshake. I say, what's a Chicago handshake? I said, it's a shot of Malort and an old-style beer. I said, I don't know what any of those are, but let's do it. So he tells the bartender at this bar, Sovereign Liquor. Shout out to Sovereign Liquors. I'm pretty sure they're not a sponsor yet. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> They will be. You're so open. Uh, but I got the beer, and the bartender slid me the shot of Malort. And he says, rolls his eyes, and he says, shots on me, man. And I look at Alex, and I said, it's that bad, huh? Well, guys, it's the alcoholic equivalent of gasoline um it is it is, it, is, it is it is so terrible but for some reason i can't get enough of it guys i came back to delaware i told alex two weeks later i was like i ordered three bottles from my house because you can't get it in the liquor store it's not like you can get it readily you have to you have to special order it if you're not in chicago and I was is,
0: shocked that you got it.
2: It's it's honestly one of my favorite liquors. On the
0: I just love the back of the bottle. It says, so that you know, because you're looking to say, how would I best quantify, qualify this beverage? It says it's bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers. Just in case you had any doubts. And it's
2: unusually botanical. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is from the bottle. Unusually botanical.
0: Just in case you had doubts. So, cheers, gentlemen. That was wonderful. But, uh, Ruben, we're going to start with our guest round. So, this is for our audience to get to know who you are. How do you know Alex or Ron or both of us?
2: Uh, Well, you kind of already kind of spoiled that in the intro there, Ron. But uh, go, Alex. I am one of Alex's childhood friends. Alex and I actually met on the school bus in middle school. And you know how friendships go when you – are ten and you can't drive anywhere. You get to be friends with your neighborhood friends, and so I would. You have to. I would naturally go over to Alex's house, and me and him had two other friends who I'm sure are going to be on the show at some point. And we called ourselves the Diversity Squad. Why? Because Alex is white. I am Indian. Our friend Cortland was black, and our friend Gabe was Puerto Rican. So naturally, we looked very, very. We were a motley crew. Uh, well, time. especially you were meant to
0: be pictured together. Well,
1: and at the time, Cortland was about twice of everyone else's height. Yes. So he definitely stood out. It was an interesting group.
2: I you know, Ron, I think it was kind of already kind of out of the house. I think you were probably at in college or at JP Morgan at that time.
1: Ruben, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a 30-year-old man now. What's what's happened since you met me as a childhood boy?
2: I, I am the dirty thirty. That is correct. That's actually the last time I got to see Alex was when I was in we were celebrating my 30th birthday. Um a little bit about me. I've been cooking since I was 18 years old, actually younger than that. I went to a vocational high school, uh, did culinary arts there, and then that career kind of just moved on. And Alex kind of pointed out to me the other day, he was like, you know, Ruben, you've kind of done it all. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you've worked in a pub. I worked at Two Stones pub where, funny enough, I remember this, Ron loved the brewer's plate. I know that that is one of Ron's favorite (laughs) things that he has ever eaten. He loves the brewer's plate with the three artisanal sausages and some cheese and the mustard, and on top of mashed potatoes. And then I worked at a pub. I worked at a hotel. I've worked in college dining halls. I have worked fine dining where I'm currently now. Um, And honestly, my love of food has always kind of been something. Um, Other than food, though, if you guys want to know, I'm into stand-up comedy. I collect vinyl records, a bunch of other things.
1: And I was going to say so um obviously this is a podcast you can't see Ruben but we can and there is about 50 pieces of uh, of music albums or paintings on his wall. Uh and, and so you know is there is there one that necessarily speaks to you uh maybe more so than others that embody who you are as a person?
2: Uh yeah so uh there's a very famous album cover that I know Alex knows. It is the Herb Alpert whipped cream and other delights. album. Listen, let me finish. If you guys don't know about this album, the album cover is very provocative. It is, it is a very bosomy woman in whipped cream. And she mm. has her finger in her mouth, like in the whipped cream. Right. So maybe like last year, I think I was at a thrift store and I found this other album and it is by Pat Cooper. And he is a comedian. And the album is called Spaghetti Sauce and Other Delights. And the <laughs> album cover, and the album cover is Pat Cooper, who is a very nerdy man, who probably looks like um who was the guy from Honey I Shrunk the Kids? He was Rick, Rick Moranis. Moranis. He looks like Rick Moranis, but he is in a bunch of spaghetti and he has two drumsticks in his hands, and he's just like licking his finger. And like to me, that is the album that I think embodies me as a person. It's like you take something that is very iconic and remake it into a funny way.
1: I love, I love that. It. And fun fact: Herb Alpert is is absolutely the most famous person I've ever interviewed. Uh, so it's very funny that a parody of his album cover is the embodiment of of Ruben Donati.
2: Yeah, I I'm think learning. Right, it makes sense because right? like I am a, I am inherently a hipster, so it's something that I have never met. Some person who's like, you know who I like, Pat Cooper nobody knows who pat cooper is i don't even know who pat cooper is so i think it's just funny that like this guy is obviously a very funny guy because he parodied something very famous so
1: have you have you since listened to pat cooper like could you say he's a good comedian is it
2: absolutely also- not <laughs> <laughs> so we don't even
0: know if it holds up to the album cover <laughs> that's a disappointment but you should i know i know and w- with that you know, I, I think before we get started, kind of going into uh, some of our more fun questions, um, specifically about your background. You know, would you mind telling us? Is there something that you know while you're here that you'd like to plug or give a shout out to?
2: Uh, yeah. So, anybody listening, I have a YouTube channel. It's called Penne for Your Thoughts. Which we, I'm sure, we'll get into later about how that came about. Uh, it's Penne, like the pasta for your thoughts. It's a fun little play on words, a pun, if you will. Uh, we. Al- I also have a podcast of my own Which I haven't really done an episode in a while But it's a really fun podcast It also is kind of serious about the restaurant world And COVID um, And yeah, for right now I mean, you guys follow me on Instagram CurryKiller00 is my personal one And if you guys want to follow my professional one It's Pinay, like the pasta for your thoughts 2020 uh, Those are the two things I would really like to plug right now
1: Alright, and with that we got through the rapid fire, even though that wasn't a rapid fire at all. Let's go into no. No. the the more open discussion, Ruben, because there's a lot we want to cover and we wanna be yeah. we wanna be considered on time. I mean, there's probably very few industries that have been as affected by COVID uh, as much as the restaurant world. Yes. And sir. I, I think I think you, as as you'd mentioned earlier, and, and I tell my friends this say I don't know anybody who in the restaurant world has, has really done the whole gambit as much as you. You mentioned earlier, everything from fine dining to like food dining halls, right? So talk to me about what brought you into the culinary arts scene uh, and kind of where, how you got to where you are today.
2: Sure. Very quickly, I started cooking from a young age. My mother was a huge influence on me. Obviously, like food is a very big, important, you know, in, in the Indian culture, we eat a lot with our hands. It's a very like intimate process so that kind of led me i i've been cooking since high school so i went to a vocational high school that kind of took me to a community college here in delaware i did culinary arts there i spent some time in new york city at a really fine dining mexican restaurant came back did some sous chef work uh went to a you know two stones pub where ron likes to eat the brewer's plate (laughs) and we went to uh and then i went to like a hotel and yeah, I've done it all. Um, but culinary arts, man, food has just kind of been my thing since I can remember. I'm super passionate about it. Everything about it, I think, just it's just the best. I can't really talk about it more than that. Like, there's something really, really intimate about bringing people together with food. Ron talked about it earlier. How I cooked him and his family a steak dinner, and it was great. It was probably more special for me than it was for you guys because for me, it was able to kind of, almost in a way, give back to the stud family because of the house that they let us hang out in the community that they gave us, you know what I mean? Kind of kept us out of trouble. The same thing I say for Cortland same for Gabe's family, it's like you guys kept me out of trouble. I don't know what I would have gotten into if I didn't have this safe space to hang out. So for me being a chef, it's always nice to kind of see the faces of people when they eat my food.
0: So I guess the one question with that too, you mentioned that you kind of got into culinary arts right around 18. Was that something where you woke up and you're like, well, I guess I'm legal. So I guess it's time for me to start changing the world with with awesome food. Or was that something that sort of I know you mentioned you got into a Votech high school. Was that something that just kind of kind of progressed and developed where you enjoyed kind of t- making great food for people uh, based on your history? Or tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind.
2: Sure. Uh, I mean, I was always pretty artistic as a kid. I I but I couldn't draw. Like, I like to do it. I like to do that stuff. Then I remember, I'll never forget it. I started watching the original Japanese Iron Chef. Uh which it, <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it, it is such a production. <laughs> I mean, it is so great. But I remember just being blown away by what these chefs could make out of one ingredient and said, Man, that is some of the most beautiful that is some of the most beautiful art I've ever seen, let alone food. So I remember <laughs> thinking, you know, I think I could do that. And so When I started doing that, I looked into it, you know, then I went to a high school around here, Hudson Votech. And yeah, the rest, as they say, is history.
1: Let me ask you this, Ruben, uh, because I remember years ago talking to you and you'd mentioned um, about getting into food trucks. I remember that was actually a thing at one point in your career or that you were discussing. And I feel like it that you were on the, the cutting edge because you were talking about it before it got really big. And now every city's got like a thousand of these things all over the place. Do you think it's completely saturated? Like, do you think anyone can actually make a living now in the food truck business? Is that something you're interested in? Like, what are your thoughts to all that?
2: You know what, dude? I think the next big food trend is gonna, you're going to see these chefs doing pop-ups everywhere. It's going to be, hey, I'm doing a food pop-up for three days here. Hey, I'm doing this pop-up for three days here using ghost kitchens. If you guys aren't familiar with the term ghost kitchen, it's pretty much, it's a kitchen, obviously, that is where you cook the food out of, but the food is pretty much just delivered to you or you pick it up. You don't actually sit down and eat. I think mm. that that's kind of an extra trend. It's more about... Quick, quick fire food that you're sending out, um, rather than, you know, sit down fine dining stuff.
1: How does that work, Ruben? Though, like lo- the logistics of, like obviously most people um, from a distribution of food, you get like Cisco or American. What is, what is that one one called? The food producers, right? You have a you US have Cisco food. and yeah, it's one of those two. Like, how do you how are you able to provide food and get food for three days? Like from a logistics yeah. standpoint, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? So I think what I learned this year is that it's kind of cool to say I'm sold out. So let's say I wanted to do Cuban sandwiches, right? And yep. I say, hey, I got, I'm got. i selling Cuban sandwiches Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It'll be available from 12 o'clock till I run out. One i I'm out of Cuban sandwiches. I sold 30 Cuban sandwiches. Hey. That's it. I'm sorry. Hey, tomorrow, be good. quicker. Maybe the next day I'll make 40. Right. And I think like, that's the kind of the tough part. It's like, all right, like if you're prepping for 30 every day and you know, you're going to make your sure. money back and then some, there is some sort of like kind of cool exclusivity to saying, I got one of Ruben's Cuban sandwiches. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I get that. Actually, you know what that, You kind of prompted something that I was just thinking of. In Philadelphia, there's this guy known as the Falafel Nazi. Are you familiar with him?
2: I'm not. Tell me more.
0: All right. So the Falafel Nazi kind of has this thing where he's a just street meat guy, right? And the thing is, every day as a chef, he decides what people get. You cannot customize what you get. You get there and he even has rules. Only one order per person. So you can't order for the whole office. You have to go there. People get in a line. And everything he makes is awesome, but you don't get to
1: choose. Wait, so, if I was, as Ron, so if I was allergic to something on the menu, right? He puts tomatoes in it. I can't eat tomatoes. You're too bad. He's the flopamazzi.
0: No soup for you. Good
1: <laughs> that's pretty much
0: it. Right.
2: I think, like, and I think, like, that's what's kind of cool uh, with this next generation of food that's going to be coming. Um, I think COVID kind of forced people to start thinking about alternative ways to get food out to people. Uh, Look at Zahav, Mm -hmm. right? If you guys aren't familiar with Zahav, Zahav is one of the best restaurants in the country, literally one best restaurant in the country from the James Beard War, which is our version of the Oscars. Uh, They were forced to kind of pivot. You know, there's no indoor dining in Philly right now. And Michael Salmanoff said, all right, cool, I got you. You know what we're going to do? We're going to give you private yurts. (laughs) So, there's like private (laughs) yurt dining at Zahab. Um, And Uh, I think you're going to see these like really creative ways that chefs are going to start to come up with cool food.
1: I love it. What other things are are you seeing in the industry right now, Ruben? Whether it's during COVID or even after COVID occurs. Like, you know, I feel like for a while everyone was talking about brew pubs. They were popping up everywhere, right? Is that ship sailed? You know, like, what are your thoughts to all that?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole microbrew thing, personally, I think it's kind of played out, right? I think uh, I think the next big trend that you're going to see is kind of a throwback to like home-style cooking. Cuz right now mm. I don't think is the time for fine dining. I don't think anybody really wants to go out and have a $90 a person plate, right? A $90 I want comfort game. food. Right. So, yeah. like, the concept thing you're going to start seeing, like, something that I've talked about with a friend of mine is like having, like, a quote-unquote stoner food kind of concept where, like, we do, if uh, if you guys are listening, go to, like, Turkey and the Wolf, or it's a sandwich shop down in New Orleans, or it's a place called Big Kids in Chicago, where Alex and I actually went to, uh, like, day three, we got some sandwiches from there, and it was fantastic. We got the fried bologna, and, like that's the kind of stuff you're going to start seeing. Cool. you will start seeing foods that like, like I remember eating that fried bologna and saying like, dude, I just want to eat the sandwich after I've gotten out of a pool. Well, you know I mean? and it was,
1: it was so funny because I, I love bologna. Ron and I grew up on bologna and, and sure. I, I know I've talked to people about that and they usually are grossed out by the idea. It's like bologna. What, what even is that? Right. And here Ruben comes up, literally Ruben comes one of the one of the best food people I know, foodies, comes to Chicago, a great food city, and three days later we're eating a bologna sandwich. And I gotta say it was fantastic. But I'm thinking to myself, wow, things have certainly changed. Um and, and I'm <laughs> curious, Ruben, like is, is that where we're heading? Like Ron and I, we also grew up eating spam. Are we going to be seeing spam sandwiches oh, like gourmet restaurants soon? No, like- listen,
2: I think, you know, one of the best chefs in the world, David Chang, does a spam fried rice. Uh, I think there are these ingredients that for a while, like you look at something like, let's say, like a, like a perfect example is monkfish, right? Yep. For a while, monkfish were seen as this dirty fish that people realize once you cook it up right, it tastes like lobster. So they started calling it poor man's lobster. And now it's super expensive because people want to eat monkfish because it's that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, spam is a poor man's food. I mean, think about it. Like it's really not really popular outside of Hawaii, maybe. Uh, So I think there's something really attractive about taking something that is a poor man's food. And making it into something that a Michelin star chef would make, right? So let's look at what Alex, where Alex and I ate. Big Kids, Big Kids is this concept that was opened up by Ryan Pfeiffer. Ryan Pfeiffer was the executive chef at this restaurant called Blackbird in Chicago. What's funny enough, Alex and I walked by when when I was with him. I was like, "Yo, this is a really great Michelin star restaurant." He was the executive chef there, and now he's slinging bologna sandwiches. That- to be fair, though, don't
0: don't knock bologna. I got to say not.
2: there's something inherently great about bologna when it's fried, not oh by itself.
0: Well, you know what? I will actually disagree with you. Here's yeah. what. Trobe brewery, right. In Harrisburg. Uh, actually, no, then um, Hershey and right next to Hershey, there's that major culinary Institute, right? Uh, I forget which one. And on their menu, they said, we're still trying to get things set up. Um, and they said, you can have our gourmet bologna sandwich. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Pretty quaint. I had it. I want to say it was like an $8 sandwich. Oh my goodness. I did not know bologna could be that amazing. And it wasn't even fried. It was just like really high end bologna. They had amazing mustard. They had amazing bread with it. They had like, you know, just the right amount of everything to make it an awesome sandwich that kind of had that crunch, that savoriness and, oh, man, I want to go get myself a bologna sandwich right now. It also helped (laughs) that you were
1: drinking plenty of drugs that day. I was with you. That was true. That was certainly true.
0: So, so actually, you know what? So tell us a little bit about that as a chef. um, What are your thoughts about like pairings with like wine or beer or even alcohol or like just even hard alcohol? Is there anything where you're like, whoa, 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 don't do that. Or you're like, you know what? Do whatever suits your palate.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, you could say, yeah, white with white meat, red with red meat. But honestly, whatever is going to make the dining experience better for you. If you want to sit there and drink vodka clubs all night with your steak dinner, I'm not going to sit there and judge you.
1: Well, I was going to ask that. Like, I know you are always behind the kitchen, but let's just say you were waiting on. Let's just say me and my wife, very expensive dinner. We're going the Roots Chris or, you know, very, very high-end steaks. And I'm getting a fish dish, let's just say, and I'm and I'm getting red wine with that. Would you kind of look at me as kind of like, who is this bumpkin? Like, what's he doing? Or do you just say, yeah, it's each their own?
2: It's all about the Benjamins, Alex. Uh, we don't care <laughs> as long okay. as you're getting in high – high. you want to get a $100 bottle of red wine with your snapper – go right ahead. I'm not going to sit there (laughs) and judge you, but if you say, hey, you know, Rodney, who's your server? Hey, Rodney, you know, what wine would pair really well with my red snapper? And your server's like, oh, you want to get the Verdicchio, you know what I mean? And you say, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and get uh, Captain and Coke. Like, yeah, I would probably judge you, but (laughs) If you didn't ask, <laughs> listen, there's some people that come in to the restaurant. They they know what they want. They know what they want to get. That's cool. I don't care. I don't judge you. But if you're going to ask my opinion, perfect example, when, Al- when I went to go see Alex last January, we went to a restaurant called Girl and the Goat by Stephanie Izzard. Amazing restaurant. I told Alex before we went in. I said, when I go to a restaurant like this, I like to tell the server, hey, you know the menu better than me. Just make my meal. Drinks and everything.
1: Yeah and you took that literally to the extreme. I mean, I don't think we all of our beverages, all of the food and the order that it came out, it was just like whatever the whatever the chef wants. Whatever whatever you think.
2: Well, so Ron, how do you feel about that? Like Ron, like Ron, if you if, if 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 I came down to Atlanta and we went out to a restaurant and I said, "Hey man, we're going to go to this really nice restaurant. We're not going to make any choices." So would you be comfortable with that?
0: I totally would. Now, The rest of my family, probably not, but here's the thing I recognize. And you know, it's kind of funny. This actually brings back something that it really stinks. I'm not going to work, you know, in the office anymore. But one of the things that I always loved at the cafeteria at our office was there was a guy who made omelets. And you know what I said? Actually, every time he made anything, um, he would always look at me and he just made it. And you know what it was? I told him, you're the chef. You make it how you would like it. And you know what? I never once had anything I didn't like. And it was always kind of cool. I just kind of like give him the nod and it looked like something out of Fight Club where he just nodded at me. He's like Mr. Durden. And I'm like, yep. And boom, he'd make me something amazing. But and there's
1: something to be said. Let me ask that. you this though, Ruben, because I love the idea and I had a great night at the girl in the Goat with you. Um, my only concern, and maybe this is like conspiracy theory. Obviously I've never worked behind a kitchen, but like, If I'm worried that if I were to say, hey, you pick whatever you whatever you decide, I'm worried they're going to say, well, you know what? We got this tuna that's going to go bad tomorrow. We got to get rid of it. Why don't we give it to them? Does that actually happen? Like, talk to me about that.
2: No. So if you go into a restaurant like Girl and the Goat, I think what they would say is this person knows this person wants a great experience. This person wants to have great food. So that's what we're going to give them. And like, that's why I say that, right? Like for my 23rd birthday, we went to Zahab. Alex was there. And we, all ha- and we all had to get the tasting menu because like, I wanted the tasting menu. So the whole table had to get the tasting menu in order for me to get the tasting menu. And me and my friend Steve, who's also a chef, we said, listen, we told the server the same thing then. And he got so excited to the point where the kitchen just started sending us out dishes that weren't even on the menu. They were like, here's some crisp potato- like, potatoes with some long hots. You know, the kitchen thought it was super cool what you were doing. So they wanted to send you out something special.
1: That's right. Awesome. And like,
2: Alex and I got like empanadas or something. They were like, hey, kitchen thought what you were doing was super cool. Here's some empanadas courtesy of the kitchen. You remember that, Alex? I do remember that. I'm I too. also
1: remember at the Girl and the Goat, you were trying to. To buy the entire we had a, it was it was a pretty expensive meal, but it was it was it was good. It was reasonably for the quality of food that we got. And I remember getting ready to leave, and Ruben says to the waiter says, Can I buy the entire kitchen a round of shots and And I thought to myself, literally only a chef would even would, would think even that. think of that.
2: but do you remember what her response was, Alex?
1: Yes, they were on probation.
2: <laughs> and she said, know, well, you can come back with a six, but like a take like of beer. And I was like, I'm going to be honest. Once I walk out of that door, I'm probably not coming back. She's like, that's fair.
0: Sure, That's awesome. I got to say, like, I'm glad to hear, like, because uh, I was going to ask you that question specifically on what are the things that you as a chef, when you go out to places, kind of, you know, how you order. And I think that's important. I think that, I don't know, maybe just as for me as just a general person, I always figure there's a lot of work that goes into your work. So I always get a little bit offended when it's like, hey, I want a cheeseburger, but don't put any cheese on it. And you know what? I don't want any tomatoes on it. Don't want any onions on it. While you're at it, don't put the bun on it. And you're just like, why even order? How do you (laughs) feel about like those kind of orders? Are you just frustrated? Are you just like, hey, it's what it is? Yeah.
2: I mean, also... What you guys have to understand is I go into work at a restaurant at 10 o'clock in the morning. I have to get the kitchen together. And then I got to start prepping. I got to make sure I got food. And then lunch orders are coming in. And let me tell you, there are some times where somebody wants to get something special. I want a cheesesteak with no onions, no bun, side salad. And I'm like, you know what? You might suck. <laughs> 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 I'm like why are you coming in here to get a cheeseburger? but at the same time, on the flip side, I'm like, it's still money. Reuben, what I, I,
1: I've never in my entire life ever sent food back because I've always been scared. I've always been scared something might happen or even <laughs> even if nothing did happen, I'm worried about offending the chef. I, I have to imagine it happens actually quite a bit. Is there a particular story? Has there ever been a case that like food got sent back? you fixed it, you sent it back out. It got sent back again like has there ever been a horror story like that?
2: Okay, so there is one, and it's only one in my uh you know twelve years of cooking, which I think is something to say, so please don't let this deter you from sending food back if it is not to your liking if it if when it comes back Ninety-nine percent of the time, if your food comes back, I may curse you. Unless, I mean, if it was cooked right, if you order a steak medium rare and I send it out medium rare and it comes back and they say it's not cooked enough or it's it's undercooked and it's ripped from medium rare, <laughs> I may say, "Yo, f that person. I'm not a fan of that person." But I'll still recook your food. There's one story I have where the chef I was working with, uh, we got a steak sent back four times. <laughs>
1: Like, literally, wow, wait, right? literally, it got sent out, it got sent back, it got sent out, it got yeah. sent back, it got s- four yeah. times?
2: So that last time, the chef said, you know what? Fuck this. F this. I am so sorry. I'll put a dollar into the curse jar. He said, <laughs> I'm so sorry. He's, so he took the shake and threw it up, and it hit the ceiling, stood there for like a second, <laughs> and then it fell down. He took it, threw it into the deep fat fryer, fried it. Took it out, threw it on the grill, grilled it, sked it out. She said it was the best steak she's ever had. (laughs) That's a true story. I wish it was fake. I wish I made that story up. 100% true. So, like, what I learned learned from that situation is that there are some people that you just cannot please. That want the worst food possible. That want... That are used to food tasting terrible, so I know that's not on me. I know if I send out a steak perfectly cooked and they send it back, all right. Well, I know that wasn't on me. You know what I mean? You gotta learn from your. But that's that's yeah. got
1: to be hard not to take that personally though, because your pride. There's pride in your craft. You would hope. You would
2: hope. In a way, I suppose pride depends I, I, on where you're going. Most of the time, I'm just trying to get get out of get out of there. Right. I just want to get through the night, get through the dinner rush get to the bar, have a drink, go home, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, the the amount of times things get sent back is so minuscule. I would say maybe 3% of the time things get sent back. So in the grand scheme of things, something gets sent back. It's like, okay, well, you know, like I have this banana tart that I made at work and we have sold hundreds of slices of this banana tart. We've had three sent back. Am I going to get upset about those three slices that were sent back? No, because I know it tastes delicious and I know it is a consistent yeah. product. It's just not what they wanted.
0: I, and I think I got to say, though, I'm, I'm, I'm with Alex on that. Like, I just, I'd rather just take it and be like, eh,
1: it's not very good. Whatever, I'll move on. But I, I think that's, it's, it takes a tough skin to be, when you feel very confident. That you put your A game into this craft, and yet they aren't satisfied. I think I think that's got to take a tough skin, and I, I don't think I have that tough skin. So kud- no. kudos to you and the millions of workers out there. And, and I, I think I think Ruben, it, kind of going into that, I think you know we haven't really talked a whole lot about COVID uh, and its impact on the restaurant world, and I think it'd be really interesting to get your take on you know, what are the best ways to support the industry right now? I mean, like, is Grubhub and Uber Eats, is that is that actually effective? Like, talk to me.
2: So what I would say, um, yeah, it's been a weird time uh, for restaurants. Um, you know, there's no doubt that I feel like restaurants have kind of been unfairly targeted uh, as a point of contention throughout all of these things. I feel like we have been targeted, but... The best way to support your local restaurants, buy gift cards, right? Buy gift cards, give them some money, and then that way you can come back when you do you, you do feel comfortable coming back. Number two, if you can skip the Grubhub, skip the DoorDash, skip the Postmates, and order takeout directly from them so that the money goes straight to them and not through some third party. Don't get me wrong, I still use those apps just because I am a lazy POS but <laughs> if you have the means and the if you can drive to the restaurant to order and order the food from there take out um number 3 the last thing um that I kind of want to plug is uh www.saverestaurants.com it is the independent restaurants coalition and you can donate you can kind of read up about more about what we're going through um the restaurant industry is home to millions and millions of jobs for not, not just, uh, you know, regular workers, but for a lot of undocumented workers that come here hoping for that job. Um, a lot of that is in danger. Uh, me personally, I know a lot of people that have had to have their jobs cut completely because of this. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. immune to it. I lost my job last year. and luckily I had something to fall back on, but, um, you know, not everybody is as lucky as me. So if I could just tell people one thing, just support your local restaurants. If you can, skip the big guys, skip the friendlies, skip the big guys and kind of go to your local mom and pop shop.
0: Now, I got one one more question. I think we're probably going to wrap things up a little bit, but you touched on a few different things that I kind of say, like, I love watching some of these food TV shows. Um, I love watching like Bar Rescue if you've ever seen with John Tapper. Um, Shut the, it down. But, so, what are your views on like some of these celebrities with within the culinary industry? Are some of them good, or are most of them just a holes? Or where where are you kind of coming at things?
2: You can't knock the hustle. I mean, let's be honest. You want to hate them, but at the end of the day, you respect the fact right. that. They got to that point. I mean, I would like to get to that point where I could just walk into a restaurant and I have the ability to say, This is the worst we'd have ever had. Let's fix it, you know, and to get paid money to say stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I used to hate it. I used to hate the whole grand scheme of things. And don't get me wrong, there's so much production into that. But at the end yep. of the day, you know, you can't knock the hustle. You can't knock it. But
1: uh, and I, I respect that response. But let me ask you this, Ruben. Maybe this is a harder hitting question. What are your thoughts to the celebrity status of chefs that people aspire to be? I guess my question is have you run into these young kids coming out of college that don't actually have the passion in the food industry and in their their actual interest is being a celebrity.
2: You know what you know what I see more of? Especially when I was in culinary school, the thing that I saw the most was these—was these, was these over-the-hill somebody who really loved cooking. They were like in their forties and said, "Oh, I, you know what? I should have been a chef." And because of shows like Top Chef, the Food Network, all of these things, they said, "I can do that. I can do that." And before you realize, they don't realize. You know, I've had people send me messages and say, "Hey, Ruben, I've thought about being a chef." You know, and they're like. 30, 35, 40. And I say, listen, what you have to realize, and if anybody listening is thinking about being a chef, here's what I will tell you, the cold, hard truth about being a chef. Number one, you are married to that career. What I mean is you have almost zero free time to really spend with anybody else other than you're working with. I can't tell you the amount of people that I've dated and hooked up with that I work with just for the pure fact that it's convenient. That's the only people I get to see. Number two, you miss so many major events you've missed the thanksgivings you miss the christmases you miss the nephews and nieces and sons and daughters birthdays number three you're working 60 to 70 hours a week and number four you tend to age a little quickly than than most uh
1: i although Ruben, for the record you look fantastic
2: i appreciate that you Maybe.
1: do
0: you look like a <laughs> sprightly 26 year old uh,
2: you guys are being too kind my body does not feel that way uh, I literally, when I get up, I make noises. When I have to get up from kneeling on the ground, I make this noise. I say, <laughs> 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 that is the noise I make when I have to get up from kneeling. So, uh, my knees are pretty shot, but that's the thing I tell people. I mean, like it is such a rewarding industry, but no, that the ROI, the return on investment by going to a high culinary school is not going to be that great because it is so expensive to go to a great culinary school. But you are not going to be able to pay that off nearly as quick as you think or get to that status as quick yeah. as you think.
1: Well, and what, are, what is your take on – I feel like, okay, all of a sudden I went to one of the best culinary schools in the country. I have $200,000 in debt. What, what what are you supposed to do about that? I mean, I almost don't. I, I, I understand why they might want to go into a corporate structure. Uh, working for a mom and pop place that you might have a passion in is that just is that going to pay the bills?
2: Uh, it's tough, right? Because like, ah, you know, we know people that have gone to a really, really expensive culinary school who aren't even cooking anymore. I know people who went to Johnson and Wales. That can't hack it in restaurants and have to do country club stuff, which is not, I'm not knocking that, but I do think there is something to be said about Anthony Bourdain. You know what? Anthony Bourdain, I'll never forget. I watched a video and he said, if you're thinking about cooking before you invest in a culinary school, he said, go work at any restaurant. It could be a friendlies. I don't care. Go work in a restaurant for one year. If after that one year you want to pursue it, then by all means go to what that go to that culinary school you want to go to. But if you don't, but that's the thing. Like a lot of people don't realize the grind of the restaurant schedule. A lot of people can't hang. We have a guy that works at the restaurant right now. This is his first restaurant. His after his first day, he came in. He's like, dude. He's like, my calves are killing me. And I said, I know. Like. It's a rough industry. <laughs> like, dude, you're gonna, dude, your 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 body's gonna deteriorate really quickly.
1: Well, I think that speaks volumes, especially coming from the late Anthony Bourdain, who literally did go to the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America. Um, so I, th- I think that is telling. Uh you know, I, I do want to make sure we spend a little bit of time, Ruben. I want to switch gears here. Um, I want to talk about what you've been up to since COVID, because. You, again, as childhood friends, yes, you've always had a passion in, um, in food, but you've also had a passion in communication with other people. You are a natural person who, um, who can control a room, and I mean that in a, me- in a positive way. I really do mean that. Um, you're fascinating, and you're funny, and you're interesting, and I know you've done stand-up. I know you've done your own podcasts. I know you've done a YouTube video. Talk to me, a YouTube channel, I should say. Talk to me about all of that and what your interests are. And I I don't mean this as much as a plug, as much of as as just talking about who you are and your interests outside
2: of food. Right. So like uh, the person that I am, I am a very much a bright side person. So I like to make the best of things. So when I got furloughed from the University of Delaware and I was kind of forced into this quarantine that like, I didn't know what to do. I've been working my whole life you know, I've missed a lot of things. I missed a lot of hangouts. I was kind of forced into kind of figuring out what I can do to make this time better, you know, to make this time more beneficial for me. So I started the YouTube channel, pinay for Your Thoughts, which you guys look up youtube.com slash pinay for Your Thoughts. You'll find my page and I was able to kind of start filming my own stuff. I got a logo. I got a theme song that I had my friend write, which, side note, is super catchy. And then, you know, that kind of led me to a lot of other opportunities, which, you know, if you guys follow me on my social media. You guys will kind of keep up with some of the exciting news that's happening this year uh, with me. And yeah, is just something that I kind of feel bad telling people that, the whole quarantine and COVID thing actually helped me in a way that I didn't know I could until I actually did it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, I think that's one of those things where, I don't know. Somebody told me, they said that, you know, this whole COVID quarantine thing's kind of like prison. Some people come out of it stronger. Some people come out of it pretty much couch potatoes. Well,
1: and in the case of Ruben and keep me honest, but I think you're someone who you have so many interests but you've been focused on working seventy, eighty hours a week for so long that now, in a weird way, you're able to focus on some of your passions. I mean, I saw one of your videos and I couldn't stop laughing. It was your video where you 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 evaluated three different chicken sandwiches. Do you remember that one where you evaluated and determined which one was your absolute favorite?
2: Yeah, it was one of my favorite ones that I did because I got these chicken sandwiches. <laughs>
1: So, you know, I know, but I gotta say, I,
0: I, I gotta say like Ruben, I have to, I, I love the way that you kind of have been able to capture and help people who don't know anything about cooking, including myself to be completely candid, but it's, I don't know. That's been, it, it's been a very cool outlet for seeing that creativity that you mentioned earlier on in this episode in a video form. And I, I just, I'm just impressed with that. So Thank you for that. And I, I would agree. It seems like you definitely have expanded, you know, a lot of the different creative outlets that you have. And that's just awesome. I'm happy to see that kind of thing come out of, you know, some of the negativity that has come from this past year with COVID.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Ron. That's super kind. Um Yeah, you know, I I know we're kind of running short on time here and we could talk for probably another hour. But yeah, um, I think this this year, at least twenty twenty was all about making lemonade from lemons, or in my case, a lemon chiffon cake out of lemons, right? Like, I think, like, <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, that is kind of, like, the thing, right? And, uh, no, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on as your first inaugural guest. It is a really huge honor. Uh, I respect both of you guys. Uh, but, yeah, no, thank you guys so much for giving me this platform. I appreciate you guys. Well,
1: Ruben, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time. And know this there's a lot more to talk about with you. We will be bringing you back on, no doubt about it. There's a lot more to talk about. Um, but we really appreciate kind of giving, getting an inside scoop on kind of what's going on in your world. Again, check Ruben out at Penny for your thoughts on YouTube and what other channels you have.
2: So uh, if you guys want to listen to me and my own podcast with my chef buddies, look up Chef's Roundtable. Roundtable is all one words. We have uh, five episodes where it's just me and my three chef buddies. And we have a little mini series called the Mini Johns. If you guys aren't familiar with the term John, it is a term that is very distinctly Philly. It means a person, place, or thing, anything. Um, And it is kind of lighter. We talk about anything from like movie reviews to like ratatouille to talking about food fads. So definitely check it out and www.saverestaurants.com save uh, check that out to help restaurants and uh, the restaurant coalition.
0: Well, I have to say Ruben, like, we, like Alex said, we're, we're thrilled to have you on here and this has been a great episode. We're happy to have you on in the future. So thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. And thanks again for tuning in to between two studs.